You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Things Jesus Never Said. That's what we're calling this season because we want to break down some of these theological misunderstandings that might have kind of worked their way into the culture and into our hearts, sometimes uh, churches even um, preach these kind of truisms and cliches that kind of make uh, understanding God and suffering sound simple, which we know it's not. And I think we want to look at them because I think if we believe these cliches, um, like the one we're going to talk about tonight is God never gives us more than we can handle. And if we believe them, I think they can actually keep us separated um, from God instead of relating actually directly to God and, and knowing God through Jesus and learning to trust him. So the pastors were, we were inspired by Paul's letter to the Corinthians to kind of create this season because we think that we want to look a little deeper to keep getting to know Jesus and be freed up, be freed up from these um, common misunderstandings so that we can actually live in his way. Um, So Paul wrote, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of the age, You should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight. So we're going to try to get some Jesus foolishness stirred up in us over the next couple of weeks. And and this web, like Katie was saying, represents the wisdom of the world that could keep us stuck um, if we don't look a little deeper and, and keep keep looking for what Jesus is actually saying to us in the midst of our real live problems. I think what Jesus actually says and does often shines light on not only on um, what we're actually facing, but kind of the dominant narrative of the culture, and it causes tension there um, and invites us into this mystery of God's love and grace that is really beyond all understanding. So the invitation to the season is really into that mystery. So this first cliche that came to mind um, is God never gives us more than we can handle. And um, it's kind of along the lines, I think, of like everything happens for a reason. Or um, I don't know if you've heard the one, God needed another angel, which is like, ugh. Or when God opens, closes a door, he opens a window. Yeah. You've probably heard, heard these things from well-meaning people before, and maybe, maybe you've even said them yourself, that God never gives you more than you can handle. And I think that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing because I think it, it sometimes is a statement of real faith from people who have gone through really difficult things. And they feel like God has actually brought them through. And they can, they can say this. And that's real. It's also connected to a verse in the Bible that um, is about temptation to idolatry, actually. 
to putting other things and people above God. And um, Paul says it to give people hope that God is available to meet us in our temptations and to help us not be overcome by them, like we were just singing about. So, so that's that's the good, that's the good true part of it, right? God never gives us more than we can handle. So, what's the problem with this belief? Well, I think the problem comes in when people use it as some kind of easy explanation for terrible things that happen in the world. And um, when they imply that God must have made those things happen to test us or something. And that we should be able to handle them autonomously, of course, as our individual autonomous selves, that we should be able to handle them by, by controlling them or some other such impossible thing. That, that actually cuts us off from relating to God or relying on God. So I think this phrase, if, if we misuse it, can reveal three big lies that, that kind of are present in our culture, um, sometimes even in the church. And I think these lies just hurt, hurt God's heart so badly as they hurt people. Um, and they are that, first of all, I need to be able to handle everything on my own as, as an autonomous individual. And secondly, that God is like delivering justice fairly and equally to everybody, kind of controlling everything. And by proxy then that you need to control everything. You need to control your situation more than feel it. So it's kind of like um, God's controlling everything, so you need to be like God and try to control everything too. And and I think this is really a very secular understanding of the world that is way more about like scientific rationalism and the Enlightenment and um, just a great reason for capitalism and this desire for progress, you know, for the for a privileged few. Um, it's way more about that that than it is about the way the world actually works and what Jesus, the life that Jesus is calling us into. Because you probably know that the truth is that God so loved the world that that was misunderstanding his love and rebelling uh, against it out of our own free will, doing all kinds of evil to each other and the planet. And so God comes in as Jesus directly and vulnerably, like Katie was saying, not controlling the world, but getting in the midst of the mess and, and dying, feeling all of the pain of it and dying for us. And so, yes, I think we are completely missing the Jesus boat when we, when we hear this phrase as some kind of rationalization for how, for, for evil things, um, as if God were creating difficult circumstances to test us. Um, and that we are supposed to handle them on our own. Um, my friend Maria's Catholic grandmother used to always say to her, God, God will choke you, but he won't strangle you. God's choking, God's choking us, but he's not strangling us. And, but I think that's kind of, that, that kind of is this common idea that God's like taking us to the edge of our pain threshold. 
um, you know, seeing how how tough we can be. Um, and I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want anything to do with a God like that. And I think that's why many people don't um, don't want to hear anything about Jesus or the church. They think God is some kind of sadist in the sky, you know, letting not just letting all this stuff happen, but like causing it. One of my dear friends from childhood lost her 15-year-old son, Connor, last summer. He, Connor was working on their family farm when there was this, he had an accident on a four-wheeler. And um, I keep seeing my friend Nikki kind of struggling with this, these ideas about God, that God would let this terrible thing happen. And... Um, as a mom, I can't imagine a worse pain to try to face. Um, she just posted, and of course Connor is exactly Zach's age, but she just posted this picture on Facebook yesterday of um, this sculpture that I had seen before um, that I think probably just shows a shred of the experience of the pain of losing a child. When I saw on the news this morning that Joshua Brown was shot dead last night, um, probably connected to his tearful witness of the death of his neighbor, Botham John, last week, I cried reading the, the pleas of his mother for more information. You know, black mothers face the death of their children all too frequently in this country. So can you imagine if somebody would say to Joshua Brown's mother, God never gives you more than you can handle? You know, as if she should be able to handle the murder of her child and, and centuries of systemic and personal injustice and violence. I don't think that would be from God at all. That would not be from Jesus. Um, because our God was murdered as well by, by haters aligned with the state. The, the slide, one of the stained glass windows at the, in the 16th Street Baptist Church where the four little girls were bombed by terrorists in 1963 that kind of kicked off the civil rights movement um, reads, you did it to me. I don't know if you can see it there at the bottom. You did it to me because Jesus is claiming a relationship a direct relationship with all those who suffer. He's inviting us to relate to him in our suffering, not to try to handle it on our own, as if it could ever be handled. So if Jesus is not saying, God never gives you more than you can handle, what is he saying? Three verses come to mind. Um, first, him saying, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So I think this one is about our expectations. Um, if the world hated Jesus, we might not have an easy time of it here either. And then the last thing that Matthew records Jesus saying is, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. And that, I think, is the heart of our promise when we don't know anything else. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you. That's what you've got. 
And then in Romans, Paul writes that the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living within us. And so Jesus being with us is not just about dying with him. It's about being present to life, you know, in the midst, in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. I was telling... um, our friends at the seven o'clock meeting last week that my mom got cancer a few years ago and um, it was really, really bad. And it was, it was final stage and we thought that she was going to die. And I remember being, being in the hospital with her um, every chance I got, even though I was pregnant with Corey and I had little Zach, Zach was a toddler. I was mad at my dad for not being there and often at a loss for how to like advocate for her care. As you know, if you've had um, a loved one in the hospital, sometimes the poor doctors and nurses are running around, you know, can't keep up with everything. So um, one time I passed out trying to like, her, her spinal, she had spinal fluid leaking from her back and I was trying to change the dressing and I passed out. So that wasn't helpful. And another time they sent her home from treatment with C. diff and so just made the cancer seem like small beans in comparison to that infection. But the worst part of it was this fear that I was losing my mom and not, and just feeling completely out of control um, to handle that. And I remember the one thing that I learned, the one thing I was one thing became very clear to me, and that was this second thing here that Jesus says, that I'm going to be with you. No matter what happens, that, that's what you've got. I will be with you. And I felt that, that Jesus was with me, and somehow that was enough. And so I think, I think that's the invitation um, from Jesus as we go through difficult things as Christians And it involves feeling what we feel instead of trying to control it. Otherwise, we're doing something that psychologists call spiritual bypass. Gwen had a great seminar on on this last week at Hallowood Institute. And spiritual bypass kind of allows us to just kind of try and avoid the the pain instead of relating to God in it. Um, And I think that's, man, that's super tempting to do. We're all just so trained for avoidance. But the invitation from Jesus seems to be to express our feelings and ask for help like he did. And I often picture him in the garden, you know, just telling his feelings to the Father, begging, begging for help, weeping, weeping. and finally saying, your will be done, and surrendering and, and trusting through this sense of their relationship. And so I think we're not meant to handle things, actually, as in, like, controlling them. We are meant to relate to God. We can't really make a principle out of God or, or a rule as if God is not a person and not alive. We need to relate in order to really know and trust God. And I think this is where the peace can come in the middle of the most difficult circumstances.
Um, I think a handle, an actual handle, is a really good, uh, I like that this cliche has that word in it, because I think that is like, that is a good image, because a handle, you know, kind of fits right in our little hands, right? And so it could never, like our hands, an actual handle could never like describe or represent um, all that we want and um, who God is and how God works. It's never really something that we can hold. There's no tool or rule or principle that could contain all that we want or are meant for. Our little hands can't even hold all that. We're meant to actually partner with the living God in this great mystery of our healing and the healing of the whole world. And I think that's how we get to the good stuff as we get through. So we're really talking about more like um, holding hands with God than holding a handle, than being able to control or handle anything. My cell was talking, I told my cell uh, this week about our friend Angie, who uh, had a little toddler at one point, and little um, Sadie was in her crib one night. Angie went in and saw Sadie just sticking her arm up in the air like this, and she said, Sadie, what are you doing? And, and Sadie said, I'm holding God's hand. And... Um, after Angie told me that years ago, I have often remembered that in the middle of the night when I'm facing things I can't handle in my little mind and heart. I actually sometimes stick my hand up in the air and just hope that Jeff doesn't wake up and think that I'm crazy. <laughs> but I think we are meant to hold hands with God and others more than we are meant to handle things as in control every detail. Our capacity with God for suffering and for victory is more closely related and way bigger than we think it is. But we only find ourselves there in relationship. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.